I'm not sure if you've done one of those DNA tests that tell you about your genetic origins. I don't know, you might sort of brag that you're one sixteenth Spanish or something. Perhaps you've joined a related online community and, and relatives you never knew existed have just popped up, been matched with some of these sites. Uh, how did it make you feel? Nice feeling to know that you're not alone, that you've got some extra family out there? Or was it a bit of a shock because it sort of let's say, tipped your own origin story on its head. How do you think you'd feel if the relatives that you'd found were your brothers or sisters, and there were several of them, and not due to affairs or adoption or other intrigues, but because you were a donor-conceived child? With no existence of a national donor registry, and in some states up to 90% of donor-conceived people in Australia not knowing the true conception story. The implications are pretty wide and varied here. I'd love to hear from you on this. 0418 is the text line. You can get in touch on the ABC Listen app or tweet me at RN Drive. Lots of people saying, of course, there is this compelling reason for children to know their heritage, if you like. This text says on the grounds that reproduction uh, between half-siblings is genetically risky and as incestuous. I believe that there should be a register. So many genetic weaknesses affecting offspring need p- genetic potential from both parents, which is more likely in these cases. Uh, this one too, uh, I would not donate sperm if I could not have absolute anonymity. I don't want to knock on the door someday. I need to see a young person saying, hello, dad. Still less, I wouldn't want to be exposed to the, the risk of legal action compelling me to financially support a child I didn't even know existed. What do you think? Uh, should donors of all kinds of genetic material here, I suppose we're talking about sperm, but also uh, all kinds of genetic reproductive material, uh, put their names on registries so that future generations can find out who their family is and what their genetics are? Or is there a a compelling reason for anonymity for these kinds of things? 0418 Currently, the state systems, and there are various databases uh, around the country, I mean, there are ways to track formal donor conceptions, uh, but it's not a consistent national system, not one that tracks those conceptions that happen informally, certainly. Amy Shackleton is the National Director of the Donor Conceived Australia. Uh, welcome to you, Amy. Why is a federal donor registry needed? What's the situation at the moment? Hi, Andy. Um, as you've mentioned, um, it's really, we, we do have a number of state-based registers, but not every state does have a register. So there are a number of states who currently have, and territories who have no register at all. Um, we also have uh, donor-conceived people conceived um, with donations across uh, different states where sperm in particular was transferred uh, to different states from the same donor. Uh, and we have no way to track that. So a national register would be able to um, keep a national view, an Australia-wide view of those donations rather than just the state-based view that we currently have. Um, Donor-conceived people, it's really important to them to know uh, and be able to manage their own uh, mental and physical health. So to be able to both let other siblings and their parents' donor know of conditions that they may 
medical conditions that they may have, but also to connect with other people in their genetic family um, to know what, what they might inherit from them as well. There is a bit of a misnomer here, I think, to the layman that most people would assume that there has been some traceability. Uh, and with the rise of social media, uh, there has also been a rise of informal donorship. And look, there's a lot of different reasons why people would do that, uh, altruism being one of them, also perhaps being able to know and meet the person that you're receiving genetic material from, perhaps people find that reassuring. But how worrying is it for you and your organisation that this rise of informal donation is leaving a next generation completely uncontactable, if you like? Sure. So some of the things, I mean, we're talking about, about both the formal donation uh, process through clinics um, that, as I mentioned, is not registered in some states and is definitely not registered across the country. Uh, Do you have any figures the, on who who's doing informal and formal donation these days? The numbers of people? Yeah. Um, not across Australia because, as I mentioned, there are no registers across Australia and, and many states don't have any of these records. So it's, we actually have no figures. Some states do have the figures for their states, but most states have no records at all, Andy, and it's it's a, a huge problem. It's very difficult for us to track how many donor-conceived people there are and to try and find them. Um, as you mentioned so, so in your introduction, many people haven't been told, many adult donor-conceived people do not know they're donor-conceived. So talking about formal uh, donation in this instance, how many times can a man in Australia legally donate sperm and what are the regulations about how many women or families he can donate to? So the regulations around formal donation um, and the legalities are different in every state as well. So we have between five... Uh, so it's, it's not just for men, Andy. We're talking about sperm, egg and embryo donations. Um, and it comes under the same law. It's about donor conception and donations. So it could be a man or a woman or a couple providing an embryo donation. Um, but the number of donations uh, go from five women or to, um, because the woman is the person receiving the donation, uh, five women to 10 families in some states um, that are permitted. And it's different in every state. Um, some states have laws regarding the numbers and some states only follow regulations of the national um, NHMRC guidelines. Uh, so that would be something that we'd also be looking, we're looking to uh, look at some national legislation for consistency across the states. If you just tuned in, Amy Shackleton is here. We're talking about the need for a national register for all donations uh, used for donor conception, including sperm, egg and embryos here on RN Drive. There's a statistic, uh, 90% of donor-conceived Australians don't know the true story around their conception. I mean, what are the reasons for parents not sharing this with their children? So traditionally, Andy, in the um, 70s and earlier, but 70s, 80s and 90s, when many donor-conceived people were first conceived, um, I'm donor-conceived myself and I was conceived in the 70s, um, many parents were told at that time it was anonymous donation. Um, the donors were told to go home and forget about it because there was no way their, their 
children or the recipient parents could ever find them. And the parents were told not to tell the children um, that it would damage them irreparably if they did. Um, and that the medical advice was uh, do, do not tell your child. This was in direct contrast to the advice given to adoptive parents at the time. Mm-hmm. and they were advised that it was best to tell a child that they were adopted. It sounds like there's going to, to be definitely a generation of people who are going to lobby and join your calls for a national donor registry. We're out of time, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Andy. Amy Shackleton is the National Director for Donut Conceived Australia here on RN Drive. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.